the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. We were talking about the principles of recovery. And last weekend, I talked to you about the principle of repentance. That you and I need to understand that for recovery to happen in our lives, there's something called repentance that is necessary. I want to take just a moment and sort of review that a bit. So we then move from that to something that follows recovery, and that is expectation of God to work in our lives. And that's the second key to recovery. You and I need to have some expectations or faith in God. Let's go back to this word repentance just for a moment. You know, the children of Israel, when you study in the Old Testament, their, their relationship with God, it was quite an up and down experience. There were many times that Israel would walk away from God. And the prophets of God would be raised up to give them a word of repentance, a call to come back to God. And then on the heels of the call to come back to God would come a promise quite often of restoration, a promise of recovery, that repentance leads to recovery. I want to show you an example of this in Joel chapter 2. We see the prophet Joel speaking to Israel when they had really fallen away from God, and there's this call of repentance and the promise of recovery. Joel 2, verses 13 and 14. Joel, Joel speaks on behalf of God to God's people. Don't tear your clothing in your grief that is in their sorrow over their sin, but tear your hearts instead. Notice this, return to the Lord. That's repentance. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and fill with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows, perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. So God speaks a lot of things you can read in Joel chapter 2 of the word that God gives to his people who have fallen away from him. But the primary word as he starts with is the word of repentance. Come back to God. Let me say to all of us today, that's the beginning point. If you and I want to experience any kind of recovery in our lives, the principle that is necessary to begin with, the entrance ramp into recovery is the word repentance, return to God. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe you need to return to God. Maybe you've drifted from Him this past year or in the most recent years, and you need to get back to where you need to be in your relationship with God. Now, going to the, back to the book of uh, Joel, chapter 2, after God called them to repentance, to return to God, then God promised recovery. See, repentance kickstarts recovery. Notice verses 21 through 26, where God now again promises them this very wonderful thing of restoration. Don't be afraid, my people. Be glad now and rejoice, for the Lord God has done great things. Don't be afraid, you don't be afraid, you animals of the field, for the wilderness pastures will soon be green. The trees will again be filled with fruit, fig trees, and grapevines will be loaded down once more. Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem, rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. The threshing floors will again be 
be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I, notice this, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the cutting locust. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Here's what I want you to see. I'm laying this foundation, this, this, this sequence of, of principles related to recovery, getting back things in your life that you've lost or forfeited in your spiritual journey or things in your life where your emotions and your inner psychological being has sort of gotten out of order or relationships need to be restored. God wants to do that kind of work in your life because God is a God of recovery. And so he reminds us that repentance kickstarts the road to recovery, but he also reminds us with that process of repentance comes the promise of restoration. Here in this passage, God says, I'm not just going to bring you back, but I'm going to bring you back to better. Now, let's move to our next step in this process. We talked about repentance as the entrance ramp. The next step in the journey, if you and I want recovery from God, is we must have faith. We must have an expectation that God will do what he promises in our life. Recovery requires faith. Would you say that with me? Recovery requires faith. It requires a willingness to believe and expect God to do what he promises that he's going to do and wants to do in our lives. Now, this is where things oftentimes really break down for people. Lots of people never make it to this step because they don't expect God to work in their lives. They don't exercise any fact, any faith. In fact, there's a lot of people, many people who've let go of all expectations, all positive expectations for their lives. They've gone into what I would say protection mode. The protection mode is something like this. The thought is if I don't expect anything good to happen, I will not be disappointed. And so I'm just going to live my life in the negative. I'm just going to expect nothing good so I will never be disappointed. But when you come to God, you have to understand that faith or expectation in God is vital for everything that God does in your life. You are saved, yes, by grace through faith. You put your faith in God and there comes salvation. You are delivered by your faith. You are recovered by your faith. It's all a sequence. It's a process of utilizing something that only you can utilize, the choice to believe, the choice to expect God to do something in your life. God wants you to believe in Him. He wants you to trust in Him, and He wants you to expect Him to work in your life. You will never recover without some level of positive expectation and faith in God. And perhaps for you, the first recovery that you need in your life is the recovery of your faith. That happened for a man by the name of Thomas, did it not? Because Thomas, it kind of lost his faith at the time that Jesus was crucified. He didn't want to believe that Jesus was alive. And, and the first thing that Thomas needed was a moment where his faith could be restored. And that was the recovery he needed. And Jesus showed up and recovered, helped helped Thomas to recover his faith. Why do you doubt? And Jesus showed him his hands and his feet and his side. And in that moment, there was a recovery of faith. Maybe you need a recovery of faith in your life. And today I'm going to talk to you about how do you recover your expectations in and for God? How do you recover your faith? And our focal point is an Old Testament character by the name of Joshua. You perhaps know him well. 
Joshua was given the responsibility of leading the children of Israel into the promised land after Moses' death. He had been the servant of Moses for many years, and after Moses dies, he's given the job of leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Take a look with me, if you will, at Joshua chapter 1. We'll read the first nine verses, and let's set the stage for the lessons that we're going to learn today about recovering faith and being a person that has expectations for God to work in our life in the realm of recovery. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates, to the Hittite, and all the Hittite country, to the Midian, to, to, excuse me, the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You and I need to learn from this passage that will help us to reaffirm and reestablish our expectations or our faith in God so that we can get back to better. It is a principle of recovery. To expect recovery, the first thing that you and I need to do is to make sure that we're hearing God's voice. The world around us is very noisy, is it not? I mean, think about all the noise of the world in which we live right now. It's a very noisy place. And not only is the world a noisy place, but, but we're noisy too. We have a lot of noise going on on the inside of us. There are many voices speaking to us from outside of us and inside of us, demanding our attention and demanding our actions. But out of all these voices, the voices of the world around us and these internal voices that are always speaking to us in certain ways, there's one voice that we need to discover and one voice we need to tune into, and that is the voice of God. And Joshua had to learn this lesson. I want you to notice the circumstances that Joshua found himself in. The Bible says that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Let's stop there just for a moment. What had happened was the man who had led Israel uh, out of Egypt across the Red Sea and brought them to Mount Sinai and received the law, the Ten Commandments of God from the mountaintop. After he had died, he's this great leader of Israel. It was now a critical, crucial time in the nation of Israel's history. What would they do now? Their major, wonderful leader that had been there so long now was dead. We can imagine that during this period of time, lots of people had lots of opinions about what needed to happen next. 
I'm sure that Joshua was hearing from lots of different folks about how he ought to handle the situation or what needed to be done. Because in the midst of a vacuum like this, of of an absence of leadership, there are lots of voices that generally come to the surface. And I'm sure that Joshua had that experience. We can also imagine that Joshua, being in this place of leadership, had a lot of voices going on inside his own head and not necessarily positive ones. I'm sure that Joshua was questioning his future and the future of Israel. What now? Moses is dead. He's feeling challenged. How now? How will we do this? And, and certainly, I'm sure he felt the insecurity. It can't be me. I can't do this job. I can't be a Moses. And it's not the right time to, to get the children of Israel in. I can't do this. I'm sure there were lots of voices inside of the head of jo- Joshua. In the midst of all these external and internal voices, Joshua had to listen for another voice, a better voice. He had to listen for an accurate voice. And that's what you and I need to do as well. You have to listen in the midst of all the noise of the world around you and the noise of your own inner thoughts. You and I need to listen for another voice, the voice that is the accurate voice and the true voice. And that's exactly what happened with Joshua. Notice again Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Notice that one phrase, the Lord said to Joshua. Among all the voices, Joshua tuned in to the one voice that mattered. What precious words the Lord said to Joshua. After 40 long years in the wilderness, Joshua needed to be convinced that God's promises, God's people would get them into the promised land, that there would be something that they could expect to happen, and only the voice of the Lord could convince him of this. He didn't need the voice of people. He couldn't trust the voice of his own soul but he could trust the voice of the Lord. As we seek for a fresh start in our lives, we need to hear the same voice that Joshua heard. We need to hear the voice of God. To hear God's voice, there are at least three things that you and I need to do. You and I need to believe that God speaks. I want to tell you today that God wants to speak to you. I'm not talking about in some strange and weird and crazy way. I'm not talking about some kind of unusual revelation that God would give you. I'm talking about just the simple speaking of God's voice into your life. And that happens primarily through his word. And that's why you and I, we need to be in this book. That's exactly why God told Joshua, don't let this book of the law depart from your your lips. Meditate on it day and night because this was the voice of God speaking to Joshua. And in the midst of all the voices that are happening in our world today and all the thoughts that often flood our own minds, we need to believe that God wants to speak to us. And then we need to, second of all, listen for that still, small voice of hope and possibility. See, when you read your Bible, you need to open your ears to hear that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking hope and speaking possibility in your life. When God speaks to you, He always speaks hope. He always speaks possibility. Even when God corrects you, he does so for your benefit and for your future because he loves you. And so God never speaks words of condemnation. The devil condemns, but God inspires. And so when you and I listen for the voice of God as we read his word, we're listening for that word of promise, that word of hope, that word of possibility that he wants to give to you. And there's a word of hope and possibility that God wants to speak into your life. Yes, God speaks, but he speaks in a still, small voice. You have to get quiet before him and listen to the voice of his spirit through his word and you have to tune out all the negative voices 
It's a wonderful thing when you can just simply begin to say, I'm not going to listen to that channel anymore. I'm going to change the channel. I'm not going to listen to that, that, that recording in my mind any longer. I'm changing the, 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 the dialogue in my heart and in my mind. I'm not listening to those things anymore. And so you believe that God speaks and you, you begin to listen to the still small voice of the spirit of the living God for your life. And then you begin to tune out the negative voices because your mind and heart under the influence of our spiritual adversary, the devil will always go toward the negative. God's voice comes to lift you up, to give you hope, to tell you that recovery is possible in your life. It's so valuable for us to hear God's voice. Your expectation of God increases when you hear His voice. The second thing that is necessary is you have to put a period on the past. Before Joshua could move into the possibilities of the future, he had to come to grips with the reality of history. And the reality of history is, was simply this. Moses is dead. And so God reminds him, you've got to understand, that's history that's behind you now. Moses is dead. Josh, God was not informing Joshua about Moses being dead. Joshua already knew this, but he was helping Joshua deal with Moses' death. God was helping Joshua to let go of the past history. It was a way that Joshua was being called to put in perspective what had happened in the past because when Joshua thought about the past, he remembered that, that Moses had not been able to lead the children of Israel in. And so if Moses had not been able to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, how could he ever do it? And so now God is saying, you've got to put that behind you. See, one of the biggest hindrances to, our, to moving forward into our future is our past. You will never recover in the positive, po- proper way in your life as long as as your past is hanging over your present and hanging over your future. Everybody that's watching you today, you have a past, and your past is a track record of everything you've done. It's really recorded in your gray matter, in your mind, in your soul, the things of your life, positive and negative. They're recorded in your life. They're part of your history, and your past affects the way that you think about, the way you view the possibilities of your present and the possibilities of your future. And while your past is powerful, I want you to know today that it is not necessarily predictive. I'll say that again. Just because you've had a track record in a certain way in the past, maybe it's been negative, maybe there's been some failures. Like for Israel, they had failed to go into the promised land when Moses had initially tried to bring them in. That was a part of their history. It was very real. It was not something made up. It was a part of their past, but God is now helping, helping them to understand that although that past can be very powerful, it is not necessarily predictive. Your past is not a prophet of your future. And if I could somehow get that into all of our hearts today, that your past does not prophesy to you what your future is going to be. You simply confront the reality of what your past has been, but then begin in the name of Jesus through the power of his blood and through the power of his word to dethrone the past, to say it no longer has control over my life. Even your successes in the past can keep you from pursuing all that God has for your present and for your future. I want you to notice how God handle this with Joshua in a very specific way. 
Notice what he says to them in Joshua, what God says to him in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, notice those words, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I want you to notice that phrase, now then. God wants you to get your heart and mind focused on on the now. God doesn't point Joshua to the past. God doesn't say, hey, don't forget what happened all those years ago when you failed. He doesn't remind him of anything in the past. He points him to now. He says, you've got to get your now in focus. And that's the same, the same is true for you and me. That God has to somehow let us put a period on the past and, and to believe that recovery is possible. We have to confront and dethrone and counteract our past with the promises of God. That's exactly what Joshua learned to do. Living in the past will rob you of faith for your present and for your future. The third thing that is necessary for us to experience recovery is a step called expectation. It's a step called faith, believing that this is possible for our lives, as you and I need to believe in God's ability. Although Moses was dead, Joshua needed to be reminded that even though Moses was dead, God wasn't dead. God was alive and God was with Joshua. The Lord wanted Joshua to know that gaining the promised land was something that he was going to help Joshua and his people do as they followed him. God comes on the scene and he says, I want you to believe in my ability to do this. Forget what happened in the past. Rekindle your faith in me. Listen to my voice instead of the voices that are around you and believe in my ability. And that's what needs to happen to you and I. You might be looking at a life that seems to be torn apart. Maybe you're, you're dealing with an addiction or maybe you're dealing with something that seems to be a really big failure in your life or some aspect of your life that you wonder, could I ever recover from? And please remember this. You don't have to recover from it yourself. God is able to help you recover from it. Listen again to God's encouragement to Joshua. Verses 2 through 5, Joshua 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all the these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says, I'm going to give it to you. I promise it to you. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So God is saying, it is my ability, not yours, that will get you past the situation and into your promised land. See, only God has the power to give people recovery. You can't recover yourself. You need the power of God to overcome things in your life, to recover from things in your life. Our willpower is insufficient for recovery. A lot of people say, I'm just going to fix it myself. No, you can't fix it yourself. If you do, you might make more of a mess of things than they are now. You certainly will never get back to the better place that God has in store for you. We need God's power for recovery. All we need to do is give God our will. That's all he's asking of us. He simply needs us to be willing to cooperate with him. And when you and I give him our will, he brings to us his power. You know, there are so many verses in the Bible that remind us of the power of God, the ability of God. And I want to remind you today that recovery happens when you and I believe that God is able to do what we are not able to do ourselves. 
In Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus spoke these very important words that need to ring in your heart today. Grab a hold of these words. Hold on to them. They are a promise from God to you. Jesus looked at them, Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Read the rest with me. But with God, what does it say? All things are possible. And I want you to know today that as you're thinking about some level of recovery in your life, whatever it might be, whatever God is speaking to you about, about bringing restoration, bringing recovery, it's not your ability, it's God's ability. With man, it might be impossible. With you, it's impossible, but it's not impossible with God. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.